It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time for Tech Tuesday. Welcome back to Tech Tuesday. I'm Myla Wong. My name is Raj Shroff, and I'm a director of applied AI research at Blue Artificial Intelligence. So the New York Times recently sued OpenAI and Microsoft for using its articles to train chatbots, namely ChatGPT and Bing Chat, without its permission. Now the media outlet said the two companies infringed its copyright, saying its articles were reproduced word for word. But Raj, you said the New York Times may not have a great case. OpenAI can make a very compelling argument that the purpose of their chatbots is not to repeat a news article word for word. That's not what ChatGPT does. When you go ahead and look at the exhibits that the New York Times submitted to the court to show word for word copying, it's not somebody just telling ChatGPT, "Hey, copy and paste this New York Times article for me." Instead, we see examples of people asking ChatGPT to produce. Just the first paragraph of the article, and then to get the rest of the article or part of it, they have to ask many follow-up questions to say, "Give me the next sentence in the article." And most people actually fail when they ask ChatGPT to produce the full text of any copyrighted work, not just a news article. And OpenAI routinely fixes issues where people are able to use specific prompts to access a paywalled article. So even though the New York Times provided 100 examples of word-for-word copying, they might still not have a great case. Strangely enough, the New York Times wants OpenAI and Microsoft to delete their chatbot models and training data. What do you think about this request? This seems like an unreasonable and unnecessary step for OpenAI to take. It's far easier for OpenAI to fix its models to prevent it from outputting news articles word for word. To destroy a model and training data, that would be a massive public disservice, since many people would be denied a useful tool like ChatGPT or Bing Chat. Now, of course, they should be fairly compensated for their published work being used, and they should reasonably expect that AI chatbots should not output copyrighted articles word for word. What might logically happen is that there will be an out-of-court settlement between the two parties, and they may end up agreeing to a licensing deal where OpenAI licenses articles from the New York Times to use as training data. But what if one of the parties, say、um, the New York Times, wins the lawsuit? This would set a pretty bad precedent for the development of new AI technology. Forcing AI companies to pay licensing fees for training data may actually reduce the quality of AI models because companies might not be willing to pay. But it may also give a bigger advantage to the larger AI companies that can afford to pay for training data. A better outcome would be to protect content creators from AI tools outputting their articles word for word. And set some kind of precedent where there should be a fairly large damage to be paid when this kind of infringement happens. And what do you think will happen if OpenAI and Microsoft win the case? Even if OpenAI wins and Microsoft also wins along with them, this will take a very long time to be decided in court. Until then, other AI companies may choose to play it safe and enter into licensing agreements with media companies to use their data. Right. Why didn't OpenAI and the New York Times have a deal in the first place? I mean, here in Hong Kong, the Chinese university just signed an agreement with RTHK to get its data. CHK's professor Helen Meng said the data is vital for training AI models. 
We work on speech and language AI. This kind of technology is data hungry, and usually these are hard to come by. We need the data to support our models to be trained so that they align well with the language use of our population. Right? Is it becoming the standard practice now, having an agreement before using others' data? Absolutely. So this kind of preemptive licensing agreement seems to be the safest business decision for every party. So RTHK's agreement with CUHK seems quite forward-looking in this regard. The only question is, what's a fair price to pay so that smaller AI companies can also afford to develop their systems and their tools and not be priced out of the market? And in the case of the New York Times, they actually did approach Microsoft a while back to have them pay for New York Times data. But these talks didn't really go anywhere, and they failed, which is why we have this lawsuit right now. So recently, scientists from MIT and Harvard University they have discovered the first new antibiotics in over 60 years with the help of AI. How did they do it? To make a complex story a little bit more simple, the AI models used here were able to screen and evaluate millions of chemical compounds and identify some promising candidates to create a new class of antibiotic drugs. So these new drugs were tested in mice, and they showed effectiveness at reducing infection where it was previously antibiotic resistant. So basically, the AI model was able to predict which molecule would make for a good antibiotic candidate based on its understanding of how drugs work and how chemical reactions work. The scientists said they use a method called deep learning model. How does that actually work? Deep learning is a branch of artificial intelligence that aims to train computers to identify a complex pattern. In a dataset, or uncover relationships that a human being would have a hard time seeing. Computers can process large amounts of data very quickly, much faster than the human brain can, and this makes deep learning very effective at finding combinations of chemical compounds and testing these the interaction of these chemical compounds and seeing if it would make for an effective drug or not. This discovery is quite big, isn't it? I mean, infections caused by antibiotic-resistant bacteria is a leading cause of death. Is this going to be a game changer? Yeah, I think it's going to be a big game changer.、Uh, so globally, just under five million people die every year from antimicrobial resistance because germs and bacteria find ways to defeat the antibiotics that were initially designed to kill them. So going forward, doctors actually expect more antibiotic-resistant bacteria and pathogens, and because of that, using AI to create new drugs and stay one step ahead of antibiotic-resistant pathogens is going to be a huge game changer. Are there any other examples of what AI can do in the field of drug discovery? Yeah, so there have been some promising developments in this area. So, for example, Google's AI unit called DeepMind recently launched. A series of AI-powered programs called AlphaFold, and among its many capabilities, scientists claim that AlphaFold can help them identify and design new molecules that could become new drugs. 
Now, we're not seeing a huge deluge of drugs hitting the market because it will take time for these new drugs and drug combinations to go through the trial and testing phase because this tech is quite new as well. What kind of drugs are we talking about? Well, right now they're talking about everything from um, cancer therapeutics to antibiotics and antivirals and maybe even vaccines for like common conditions or maybe even the common cold. Former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan, who's now imprisoned, gave a speech with the help of AI. We've actually seen people's voices being cloned using AI before, but usually they are impersonated to deceive others. But this time it's a bit different, right? Yeah, absolutely. So the backstory here is that Pakistan's former Prime Minister, Imran Khan, before he was Prime Minister and a politician, he was a star athlete for the country. So he's currently in prison on essentially corruption charges. So he sent some notes to his staff for a speech or a campaign event, and they converted that into a full speech that mimicked his unique language style and speaking style. So the staff then used previous recordings of his voice to create an AI voice clone using an app called Eleven Labs. So his staff then inputted the text from the script into Eleven Labs, which transformed the text into speech using Prime Minister Imran Khan's voice or the former Prime Minister's voice. And this speech was used in a four-minute video for a virtual campaign rally. Pretty good in my opinion. There's parts of the video in terms of tone of voice that is not the same as a human being speaking, even though it's like 98% close. So the production quality is good, but it definitely could be better. So how did people react to this AI cloned speech? Well, he's in jail, so I guess people have no choice. But unsurprisingly, his supporters loved the video. They knew it was created using AI and they liked it anyways. And interestingly, this virtual rally, which was posted online, drew 500,000 views on YouTube before the government of Pakistan shut down internet access to YouTube and other social media platforms across the country so that people could not watch this virtual campaign rally. What does this example tell us? Do you think this tech will be used in more political campaigns or public dialogues in general? We have seen some examples in a recent presidential election in Argentina, where both presidential candidates used AI-generated images to make themselves look really good and to make their opponent look bad. We will see AI used more and more in election campaigning and also, unfortunately, in election misinformation. And this is something that the public needs to be aware of. So going forward, where do you think this um, voice generation tech will be used next? Well, I'm an optimistic person, so I see one great use case for AI voice generators to be in the area of education. So imagine you're a student, you're sitting in a history class, and you get to talk to a historical figure's AI avatar in real time asking him or her questions about key historical events that they were involved in 50 years ago or 100 years ago. Now, as a student, this would make for a much better, more immersive educational experience. There are some cases where you can go to the Salvador Dali Museum and you can talk to a virtual avatar of Salvador Dali. This text-to-speech and the voice interaction using AI is actually quite good. So going forward, I personally hope to see more news coverage of AI being used in this positive manner instead of just for crimes and scams. 